Welcome to the Practice Podcast, conversations probing the nature of practice. I'm your host, Dave Firon. Well, one of the reasons that I was eager to record a conversation with Dr. Gordon Schmidt is that he does very different kinds of research, writes a very different kind of books, and now has moved from where he was well-established in Indiana to Louisiana and in, in a very different role. Different, 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 different. Why am I so hooked on different? Because it reflects to me that he loves the work, he loves change, he loves the challenge, he's always learning, and therefore he's a great person with whom to be a co-inquirer, as Peter Vale uh, talked about in our book. Uh, it's, it's, it's a perfect example of why the younger version of my work, this organization behavior, teaching society uh, colleagues, is it's got a very good future. Because what's different, for example? Well, he's been studying Marvel, N-A-R-V-E-L, the comics, and then the movies, and the notion of superheroes. And he's making, um, uh, he made a very good book from it and doing more research, but he's also drawing uh, his students' interest into something that they get right away. And, uh, and then re retranslating that in their lives to how they're going to function in business. Are they going to come to work wearing a cape <laughs> and a shield <laughs> in their hand? No, but they're going to come feeling empowered. And I think that's what Gordon is going to deliver in his new role as director and, and as a continuing role as a teacher and a leader in our teaching society. So here is Gordon Schmidt. Well, I look forward to hearing what I call the lady in the machine say recording in progress. It's just it's very comforting to know that, that I am recording this conversation with Gordon Schmidt and haven't forgot to turn on the recording. I've done that twice, Gordon, and 175 <laughs> times. And it's very hum humiliating to go back to someone and saying, do you remember exactly what you said? <laughs> and will you say That's it hard. again? No, <laughs> and they're good natured, but uh, we're, we're on the recording. And folks, this is uh, Gordon Schmidt, who is the new director of the David and Sharon Turrentine School of Management at the University of Louisiana in Monroe. And this is a new job. Uh, but I'll <laughs> tell you before we start talking, Gordon, that I first uh, started to notice Gordon in our management and organization behavior teaching society virtual conferences uh, because uh, I almost got to his campus uh, to the one that they were going to host in Indiana. And uh, then along came uh, COVID. So, uh, but then I was very impressed with Gordon, your, I, I, how would I characterize it? Your, <laughs> your warmly cool nature in regard to the adaptation that you and everyone else <laughs> have to make yeah. in order to turn a conference. It was pretty much wired down sheets and pillowcases 
ready to go on to beds when we had to cancel and, and turn around. And, you know, if I had been in your position working probably over a year to work out these arrangements, I would have said, nah, I think I'll, I think I'll join the uh, OD network and leave, leave these <laughs> yeah. old, beha old behavior folks behind, but you didn't, <laughs> you stuck with us. And we've, we collaborated on the uh, early educator uh, Institute and mm -hmm. a couple of other ways. Oh yeah. So I, uh, I do look forward to getting to Jacksonville um, next year for the 50th uh, of the uh, society's lifespan. Uh, Garrett Peter Vale, who inspired this entire work that I'm doing now, including the podcast and the book, uh, was uh, one of the, the first in that group of young, uh, let me say differently thinking business professors and, and the difference that I believe they were thinking, and I've heard them say this over the years and, and as we speak with the fellows is that two things. And I think this brings me to you event. You know, I will come to you. One thing, they, one thing they would say pretty consistently is that we can't be in a business school without championing and assuring attention to the human aspect of business organizations, that they are indeed entirely people with technology assist. And, and, and they were in business schools where the focus was on money, basically on money and how to make it uh, and trying to rule out human behavior as a factor in making money. So that was a bit of an exaggeration, but it bothered them. And because they were bothered, they put in the effort to create our society. Now, the other thing that I found ever since is they love love, love teaching, and they need a really steady supply of rich, yeasty, somewhat research grounded thinking and theory in order to teach ever well. And so they wrote a lot of books, they did a lot of theorizing, and, and now you kind of have the baton, don't you? Uh, <laughs> they, they, we've handed it on to you. So let's talk first about your experience with the society. What do you, does that ring a bell that you uh, love the things that the old timers say that they also loved? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So my, you know, my background, my PhD is in industrial organizational psychology. Mm -hmm. uh, and so really even my training is very much focused on that individual, that person and how their thought processes and their behaviors impact what an organization does. Right. And so I think that's always been kind of central to my part. You know, I think that's something that we can see in business schools in some areas where we're just about the money, uh, making profits versus the people. And the people are what's going to lead to meaningful work as well as ultimately yeah, those profits. So I'd, I'd absolutely agree with that. The people are what make the place. The technology is just a tool. Yep. And, you know, the technology that's great in one place is completely worthless somewhere else because it's not used the same way. There's not the same culture. There's not the same, mm -hmm. you know, need necessarily, mm -hmm. you know, and that's something we see all the time is right. We apply the thing from somewhere else that was great and it's lousy here or it never gets off the ground. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. And, I, and, you know, and I think that that is part of the uh, wonderful reason to be studying people in organizations, human as organizations and organizational yep. behavior because the variety is endless. The 
the surprises are uh, uh, about as exciting as some of the, I'm going to get to your book soon, some of your, <laughs> your, your action figures behind you where, yeah, where yeah. <laughs> things, things couldn't get worse and out comes uh, and saves the day. And, yeah. uh, uh, you know, I know that's why I was attracted to studying organization and leadership as a kid, you know, and, and through the YMCA mm-hmm. growing up and all the rest, I, I was fascinated with the, this, uh, this point that organization A was performing fairly well, doing all right, nothing great. Organization B, same type, almost the same location. They were thriving and they were trying all kinds of new stuff. Uh, you know, we were the YMCA in Portland, Maine, but down the street was the boys, boys club, no girls club back then. And uh, they were taking business away from us. And I remember as a oh, kid yeah, saying, yeah. what are they doing differently? And so I went down and I joined that boys club at two. And I found out that they were much more welcoming. They much more, they allowed a lot more creativity get out there and try stuff. And whereas in the why we were quite regimented in our programming. So I brought the word back and I don't know if it changed all that much, but it certainly uh, (laughs) secured my uh, interest in uh, leadership and why people, you know, can behave quite differently depending on the context in which we, we place them. So back Mm -hmm. to you, you, I, O psych, you look at the individual but when yep. Peter and I developed our way of thinking about practice, we said it all leads to the moment where the practice brings them and puts them in a certain context, organization. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, geographic, weather, you name it. And there we are. Uh, plunked down from Indiana to Louisiana is quite a different context for you. How are you <laughs> feeling so far in adapting and adjusting, learning and growing to this new context? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I love, you know, I love learning new things so much and it's, it's, it's great interacting with new people and figuring out what's going on. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think that part, you know, has been, to me, it's very enjoyable. You know, obviously there is always the stress of a job of like, you know, I've been saying this to people a little bit. I'd love to just be able to like watch people and figure them out and start to understand things and be able to do that just passively, right? Mm, yeah. <laughs> but the but in, the director, the <laughs> in the director role, I have to like actually help, right? And I oh, have to yeah. use that. So if I start to understand, you know, the, the, the political, the dynamics, the people, I've got to use that well <laughs> versus yeah. just be like, huh, it's kind of interesting. This, this happens this way. I have to say, well, you know, this process, should we keep it? Should we change it? What What's the dynamics of these mm-hmm. different, you know, different people, different goals? Yeah. And so I think it's yeah. fun. <laughs> and I think it's interesting to learn those new things. And that's a nice thing in being in a new place is there's so much to learn and figure out. Right? Yeah. I, I uh, the, there's a sort of dichotomy in our, in our general field of being management educators, one of which is that the, there's, a, there's a reward system that can keep some of us behind the wall and, and, and research regime says you can't even go near your subjects. You've got to, you've got to look at them afar and you know, make your theories. Otherwise you'll corrupt the data. And there's a, that's one extreme. And the other one is, uh, and the one I'm partial to, and I think you are too, is let's just go in to the subject organization, life, hearts beating and, let's figure out what's going on. And if we can contribute 
great. If we can't, at least we're going to take some lessons away from actual activity yeah. <laughs> and not the, uh, the, uh, the surrogate of activity. Yeah. Well, and I think that's really true too. For me, I'm inspired a lot by the things that happen in my life and the things that aren't, you know, a hundred percent related to what, <laughs> you know, what I'm doing right now, or, you know, the research paper I'm working on. I spend a lot of time reading stuff all over the place and talking to people about their work. And these things, again, uh, end up being very helpful. There's so many things that I've written about in a paper that I found out through just randomly. Like there was a, there was a cooking show my wife was watching on YouTube. And when we talked about a virtual leadership paper, I ended up talking about that person, Ann Reardon, who's a food scientist. And mm. some of her, her channel is f- set up in ways because of the influence of her followers, these people that watch mm-hmm. the show, mm-hmm. how it's focused on debunking and all this stuff. And that it actually is very relevant to this sort of virtual leadership area that I'm talking about. Again, I didn't set out to watch <laughs> that YouTube. My wife was watching it, but it, it ended up being very relevant to the work, right? Yeah. And see, see to me, that's what it is to be the kind of... of participating observer exactly not participative participating observer because what it does it you know we we mentioned before we started recording my my son and i talked a bit about the brain and you know the brain the brain's a hungry little thing up there it it loves to be fed and uh and if it's only fed one stream of thing after a while that gets locked in and gets uh to not be hungry for much else to stretch the point on the other hand if you have uh, sort of an open source brain <laughs> that's saying, uh, yeah, that's right. all right, I'm going to take it in as I'm moving forward. Now, what's different though, you have um, a research idea and an agenda. And so when you bring that in, even as a director with managerial responsibilities and everything else, mm-hmm. you still got that uh, itch up there that you, you, you know, what more about uh, virtual leadership am I discovering today? And, and yeah. while, while uh, there's a cooking show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think that's the thing is, you know, you yeah, don't need ahead. it to be a perfect uh, <laughs> connection right away. And uh-huh. sometimes you'll be watching things for a while or doing things for a while. And then yeah. you see that connection, but being open to it, I think is important. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> in uh, one of our uh, Peter's conjectures that I, that I uh, introduced and amplified somewhat, um, we talked about the opportunity to see our life as a laboratory Yeah, with yeah. a pragmatic mind, you know, looking for evidence in all the right places, but uh, having the, the um, extra benefit as thinkers and writers and tellers of, of the tales uh, that we, um, we see everything in, in our environment as, as a laboratory. However, the difference is laboratories get controlled and uh, research subjects and they can freeze things in a moment of time. We have um, more like a movie and this is gets, gets me back to your interest. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, our laboratory is more like a, a movie that uh, it, it doesn't have an ending, but we're in it. Suddenly we're in it, you know, and, it, and everything's going on, the sound, the light, everything's moving along. So it, it calls for us to have a different kind of conditioning 
as investigators, doesn't it? The, the seeing life as a movie. Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely think that that's true um, because, you know, our, our research is a slice of time mm-hmm. often. It's, it's where we are or what's going on. Um, but when our vision is, is tunnel vision, <laughs> that, that, that slice is, I don't think it's as meaningful. It's not as rich. It's, uh, you know, sometimes it makes it easier, <laughs> oh, but it doesn't make it <laughs> necessarily more accurate, often the, less the, so. The myth of control. I, th- I think sometimes yeah. man- managers, uh, and you will probably experience too, sometimes do need the myth of control. I'm in control here. Uh, but uh, it, because you have to feel like you, you're intellectually slowing things down long enough to see the right truth and, and, and all oh, of yeah. that. But in, in reality, and I think our current president is experiencing this an unbelievable rate, you know, while he's looking at A, and C, D, F, and X are all happening at the same time. And on a small scale, that would be true of you as your school is, you know, sort of gearing up through the summer to kick off an, another academic year under your leadership. Yeah. Yeah. And figuring that out and what to focus on as well as what to consider. Uh, and that's something that I've, you know, done in starting the job is there's like the big, huge, important things, but I've also tried to do some of the small things, right. Or the interesting things. So I talk to some adjuncts, give, go to some talks you know, look, look at, read, read, you know, the faculty handbook. <laughs> oh, you my know, goodness. I know. Well, I, <laughs> my thought, Dave, was like, if anybody has to know the faculty handbook, it should be the director so that when you have a problem, I can put you in the right direction. Exactly. Right? You blow the, blow the dust off it from your. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, I got some time a little bit here. These are some of these things. And so really trying yeah. to get that holistic understanding, you can't just get it by doing the one thing. And so I've tried to experience quite a bit and look at things from different angles and talk to different people to try to get, to get a sense, right. You can, it's, it's important to kind of get those different perspectives because it's complicated. <laughs> now your, your school is positioned in the same market as every other business school in the country and perhaps yeah. in the world. You've got a lot of challenges, very different than what you experienced going through your your own business education, your doctorate and all the rest, very different challenges. Uh, And uh, not to, we could take five hours and talk just about those, but what would be an example as you're developing this gestalt of your school and its relevance and its its, uh, learning marketplace, what uh, would be the most, so far off the top of your head, most important thing to, to emphasize in order to keep enrollment and earn the kind of trust that the community needs to have in a business school? Yeah, well, I think one thing is really trying to think about and help students to figure out what path is right for them, right? Yeah. What, it, it, what area of business, what things. So my school has a wide variety of stuff. We got management, certainly a field I know quite a bit about, Mm -hmm. but we also do have marketing. We have risk management. So insurance related areas, we've got agribusiness. Um, Our our school as well has unmanned drone (laughs) area as well, right? And business administration being its its own thing too. Hmm. And so these different areas are all different places you could go into the world of business. 
They're all a little bit different perspectives on what's going on. Uh, and you as a student coming in, you may not know which is right for you. You may have a vague no. idea of what business is, mm-hmm. um, but it's important for us to help those students to figure out what's going to be meaningful work for them, right? And mm. what's what are the skills they need to really develop for themselves? Um, and sometimes schools, we can get involved with just credit hours or just trying to, you know, fit the, the square peg in the round yeah. hole yeah. when, schedule. you know, it, maybe the student is better in agribusiness. Maybe the student is better here. Maybe the student, frankly, is better in a different school. Uh, and ultimately, over time, those students being successful helps my school. It helps my college, but it helps the university, even if you go somewhere else, even if you take a minor in business, it's helping you more. Yeah. Uh, and so if, I, I really they're, try to keep- they're, they're wearing your sh- your shirt after, <laughs> in, a, in a sense, you know, yeah. that you're, you're doing that. And, and I got the picture. Uh, traditional thinking is that you, you lay out a path to graduation. Yeah. After that, nice speech, have a life <laughs> oh, yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah. and write us some checks. But what I'm hearing already in your sense of, of path is that it's a continuum way past the point where they leave you, whether they leave as a minor or they leave as a graduate or even in the graduate school sure. that you visualize and therefore you help your faculty visualize that you're you're preparing students for a very long run in their life. Yeah, I, I think that's important to think about that in the path, and paths can change too. So yeah, oh, absolutely. If a, if a student's in the business school and moves to psychology, we might think, oh, we lost that credit or that count. But that student could come back for an MBA, right? That student could come back for professional education with us. Yeah. That student could talk up the university to people at their next job. And those people come <laughs> for business because yeah. it's what fits with them. And so I do think that long-term focus is something we often need to do more of because yeah. it can be that nitpicky, oh, if we lose one student today, it's bad. Yeah. Well, if that one student being lost <laughs> leads to could lead to a positive outcome because they know that you cared, they found the right career, and then they do better than I went through business the whole time, I hated it the whole time, oh, you yeah. know, I didn't want to get a job in what I was trained in. Yeah, you know, like yeah. my mother-in-law has a degree in in accounting. Um, She basically worked barely six months in accounting her whole life because she didn't really like it. (laughs) Right. Yeah. You know, she got a good, she got a degree from Notre Dame in accounting, Mm -hmm. good school, something that could set you up for a career, but it wasn't the career she wanted. So I think the the wanted part is so important, Gordon, isn't it? That uh, the more you uh, can help an early learner or early entry into your, into your life uh, programs, life to, uh, and this goes to the, why practice is our passion. Uh, The, 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 um, the student that I would teach who I knew was going to basically soar through the courses that I was teaching had a, a pretty good idea what, they loved about being themselves in the world. And if they could possibly align it with a, with a paying profession, that was great. And so a lot of them came into business school, found out, Hey, business isn't what I love. So my job was to 
coach them mostly in office hours or even in the hallway to say, let's yes. talk about what you love. Let's look for the business aspect of that. Yep. Oh, I, I've always wanted to, I'm better at a painter than I am as an accountant. Well, how do you think painting gets, you know, well, let's look at galleries. Look at, let's look at, uh, let's look at the, the, all of that. And, and because the good thing about for you and me, who we're uh, advocates and are advocates now for learning uh, in business for business is that business is pretty much everywhere, even in the nonprofits. So mm-hmm. yeah, you've got a pretty nice uh, aperture there f- for your kids. Now I want to add something that I think you're bringing as, oh, okay. a, as the new director. And, yeah. and you said it earlier, and that is that you have, uh, I think thrived in the area of virtual. We've talked about oh, you getting yeah. us up and running on a very successful virtual conference a couple of years back for the org management organization behavior study, but you're, you're, you're studying it. You're looking at leadership and how it can be impactful uh, like we're doing right now in a, yeah. digital, in a digital setting. Uh, talk a bit about that passion and, and how that might add uh, to the, to the so-called kids, as I call them experience and understanding that a tremendous amount of business nowadays is done in a mixed and virtual way. And so they're, they're going to have a director who understands that. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and that's something I think, you know, drawing on your own life and your own passions, I think is important in your work because things like social media, things like video games, all of these areas were things that I like to do. Um, And so it helped me to understand sort of that virtual world a little better. Mm-hmm. Um, and to see see more of how much really this stuff is becoming bigger and becoming more central to what we have. And so, you know, I know people now that will say, why be on social media? You know, everything's better face to face. You know, you can't make a friend online that's a real friend. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they say that they believe it, But it's not accurate in terms of a lot of people's lived experience, right? Is that with this case, we can stay connected to people. You can have friends all over the world, people that are very dear to you that you have not ever seen face to face, right? That's true. The technology helps us to do that so well. Um, You know, it was, it was not that long ago when I was still in the last year I was uh, teaching six, 2016. When uh, I, well, no, it was a year after, and I was doing some uh, consulting for the Travelers Edge program that we had started mm-hmm. while I was there. And I said, I, I'm up here, school's down there. Let's see if there's any tool that I could find in 2016, 17, mm-hmm. where I could meet virtually one on one with those Edge scholars. And so all we had back then was um, WebEx. Oh yeah, and you had to basically have an engineering degree to figure out all the all the ways <laughs> so, to do it. And then yeah, I, yeah. I would get someone on screen. Some kid would try to do it, and he couldn't quite get it on his phone, and it was a struggle. But it was. I said, "Look, it, we're struggling with this, and this is clunky technology designed for much different uses than what we're trying." <laughs> but aren't we on the cusp of the future? And within a, <laughs> yeah. within a year. Zoom came along, which took all the, the, the difficulty and the, uh, you know, you've got to have this and download that 
and and put us in this in this framework, which is I yeah. think my f- point of view is it saved the world. <laughs> Zoom saved the world yeah. in a way, you know. In terms yeah. of getting, we could all stay stay active during the pandemic. So back to virtual again. Yeah, there yeah. is that exactly. argument that I'm not really leading unless you and I are in the same room, and you know we're you're getting the body language and you're hearing, you're feeling, you know, different. But what are you learning and what are you writing about now about virtual leadership? Um, so, you know, with virtual leadership, one thing that always drives me, and it is something that connects to the book ultimately, is talking about leadership as a process, right? Yeah. Is yeah. that leadership is about influencing others, having an impact on their attitudes and behaviors. Uh, and so when we kind of break leadership out from just like some dude who's the boss, and, you know, in the old days, it often was some dude. <laughs> Um, is that you have dude. somebody yeah. that looks important standing in a suit, maybe crossing their arms and they just point out, they're like, Dave, go do that. Joe, go do that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's often what we think about with that's what leadership is. We still um, do. Yeah. But, we still yeah, have we that still very much lot, in our right? head. Yeah. And, you know, CEOs, CEOs are who we give credit for everything. You mm-hmm. know, there's no Apple without Steve Jobs. Well, yeah. he didn't yeah. program everything. He wasn't a particularly <laughs> good leader. He, he was good at visioning, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, and that's that's to be celebrated for sure. Yeah. But he the nitty gritty of leadership is that influence, getting people on board, helping people to figure things out, helping to motivate them. Yeah. And a lot of that is happening behind the scenes versus that guy in public that that talks, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and so that that idea of leadership as a process, I think, is really important because it opens up who can be a leader. Everybody can be and is engaging in leadership all the time. And so whether you're the entry-level person or the CEO, leadership is how you're having impact um, on what's going on. And it I think- seems to me then you've got to, you've got to put, we have, uh, so say we've got to someday, it's, it's happened. You have to equip uh, everyone then that you've mentioned with yeah. the, um, the ability to be virtual which fortunately yeah. we can do with a phone. Uh, yeah. So that, that cuts, cuts across all kinds of barriers to the fact that most people have phones, A. And then B, from a corporate standpoint, you have to give them permission. There has to be um, still, I think, uh, the, uh, the order, if you will, to talk to each other. If you do it virtually, that's fine. Instant message, do it. But yeah. please do talk because we send a whole lot of our workforce home, including all the colleges and universities in the yeah, country yeah, yeah, yeah. two years ago. So before it was, oh, some people can or essentially can do it, but others shouldn't. And that shouldn't part. Now, my vision and what I'm hearing you say is if I'm uh, sweeping floors in a, in a half used building right now, but I'm sweeping floors and I'm beginning to get some thoughts on, on, on uh, how the surface could be treated differently so that it would be less slippery in the wintertime. I can open up my phone and I can call or text uh, or do FaceTime with the, the engineer for the building and say, hey, let me show you something right here. Let me show you yeah. with my phone. Yeah. You see this and see, I've tried this over here. 
And this could make a difference. We could have less slippages. We've had, you know, far too many slippages in this particular quarter. Now I'm yeah. talking about a guy we would walk, or a woman even, who we would walk by in a busy day and wouldn't, and, and they would be standing there waiting for us to pass. And some of us might not even say anything. Now oh. our dream is that's a hero in a, for that moment. And yeah. we've given them the reason to. It's a subject matter experts. You know, the people doing the actual work often are going to know and when we empower them to do that, mm-hmm. to, that their influence matters. And I think technology can help do that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I see that, you know, with professors as I, I encourage people to reach out to authors and professors about their research or to ask questions. Um, I, I know I'm always excited when I hear from somebody and there's, there's a lot of people pretty famous where if you emailed them, they would, they, they love to give you input on what's going on. It's very true, especially for students. Um, and I think stuff like email and social media allows that to work a lot better. And I've had a lot of collaborations that have come through LinkedIn or through Twitter with yeah. people that, you know, we, we, we kind of see each other a little bit through these things. And then it's a lot easier to reach out with a project or a question that leads to something. And so the tech facilitates that communication in my mind. Uh, you know, and I think that allows us to have influence on others more. It allows us to collaborate more. Um, you see, I, I can run what you're saying, you know, folks, if you don't see, you can't see what I see. Gordon is a whole hell of a lot younger than I am. <laughs> and, and so he's looking at a, a wonderful uh, long run future. We talked about long paths. Well, Gordon's got a long run ahead of him. And, yeah, and so he's perfectly positioned to be uh, an, a champion, really, not just an advocate, but a champion for the variegated ways that we can all reach out and connect with each other, no matter what, from any position in the world. Now, almost all of my career and Peter Vale's career, we did not have, we had the yearning for that, but we did oh, not yeah. have the means to do it, nor did we have the cultures, particularly in our academic worlds, to support it. There was a very close-held uh, feeling. Don't bother senior professor Joe Doe uh, right now. He's he's in his office. He must be working on his book. Well, he's probably in there sleeping. <laughs> I know. I, <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I dozed a few times <laughs> when I was a senior professor. So nowadays, uh, we have a much different uh, opportunity. You can. Uh, most societies will give you abilities to reach out to some of the thought leaders of, of the of yeah. before now and potential thought leaders. And you can you know, write a respectful message to someone uh, who whose book you've just read. And you could say uh, to Ed Shine, for example, who's, you know, well into his eighties, but who's still active and say, you know, Dr. Shine, uh, your, your thoughts on culture were tremendously relevant when I was a student, but now I'm wondering how you feel uh, culture has changed with this, with this uh, fact that almost anyone has the empowerment and the ability to connect with anyone. And that kind of breaks down hierarchy and makes some changes. And, and Ed Shine, most likely, uh, or his son, who does a lot of work with him, would respond. Yeah. And I think that's great. And with that ability to broadcast more or to have a dialogue um, is sort of that uh, uh, trying to make sure people can understand these things, right? 
Um, and that's actually something that really connects to the book, this this book that we've done on. Oh, yeah. Let's talk to the, bo- the book. <laughs> I thought I saw a connection to the book. It, it's going to come. It's right now, folks. We're going to hear about Gordon, Gordon's but, but yeah, book. Yeah, but so my colleague and I, Sai Islam, we wrote this book, uh, Leaders Assemble Leadership in the MCU, which is about helping people to learn about leadership, helping you to get better as a leader through examples, through these Marvel superhero movies that are so popular, that are such a, a cultural touchstone. Um, and so I think with the ability to communicate with things online uh, and all of that, there is also greater responsibility, greater desire. How do we explain these things understandably, right? Yes. Yes. Uh, and that's that's to me is one of the most crucial aspects because there's a lot of great work that's published in journals. A lot of work goes into it. Uh, and then functionally, nobody ever reads it. <laughs> Maybe it some academics. Some yeah. people cite it and never read it. <laughs> but well, it, people in the real it's, industry. It, it's a sad fact. It. And, and yeah. it, it's not that we're sneaky. I don't think we're sneaky. I think we get over, we get even back in the day, we get busy and and we would glance at an abstract. We might read the first and last uh, paragraph, but we were like moving on. And yeah, exactly. uh, so, but now it's just this, there's, there's so many other uh, aspects, but here's the difference. And this is your book, the Marvel, the Marvel. Yeah. I read Marvel comic books when they first came out. So yeah. they've been around, but now billions, I think probably billions of people around the world are influenced by the movies and the characters and the, and the storytelling and the and the uh, and the great examples of uh, women and men who uh, have these powers. Um, now, give us a, a little taste of what you find out from these super people with superpowers that we can possibly use to get oh, someone yes. to change the floor wax. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and so I think there's a few parts of this. Um, one is, you know, engaging entertainment is a great way to get people thinking about this. They know these characters, they like them, they've thought about them. Um, it provides as well somewhat of a safe space for looking for examples, but also criticizing people's choices. So I I can look to a character like Captain America for good examples of leadership, but it also is a pretty safe thing to say, well, Captain America wasn't a good leader in this circumstance. He should have tried to collaborate more. He should have, you know, worked worked on a way to uh, reduce some of the, this tension between members of this team, right? Yeah, yeah. And so it can be a very, it's a very safe environment to do that, and one that's interesting. You know, as as kids, we we would debate who was the stronger superhero, or you oh, know, yeah. who was the better. Um, but we can also do that as well with these leadership aspects as well. Who was the best leader of the Avengers? Who, uh, how did they do this? What did they do well? How, what would I do differently? Uh, my colleague, Sai Islam, talks about this a lot with this sort of, we've got this tendency to compare and think about this. We can use that to talk about these important concepts from our field, teach people these areas in a, in a package that is fun, it's understandable, um, cause yeah, it can be dry. It can be hard to, what is shared leadership? What is it about? Well, when you talk about a team like guardians of the galaxy, where everybody has their own skills, n- none of them would listen to some leader type person. Mm-hmm. They don't, they wouldn't believe in some CEO, some boss telling them what to do. 
but they're influenced by each other because they recognize the skill, the knowledge, the perspective, and, and the complementary aspects of they this. They complement each other. If you right. watch, if you watch some, I don't watch much of it. My son never yeah, misses a Marvel <laughs> movie, but uh, uh, if you if you watch uh, when they have to deal with uh, whoever they're dealing with, one can get so far with that power, and then it gets. Re- repelled and rebuffed and yeah. so they said all right come on bring this one in and so yeah. they're essentially in action making these adaptations and adjustments yeah, yeah. and the one who says who calls on the other across the the fight is in, mm. is an influence moment and if yeah. the other one's saying hell with you yeah. <laughs> i'm not going in there i'm i'm, I'm these powers are mine i'm no <laughs> you know yeah. i'm you know so there's a there's a willingness a want there's a trust and all the things that we can really uh, use as examples yeah. to teach leading. Because um, I think it's like in right the real there. world, you know, I th- the superheroes too, each of them, they can save the world on their own in various ways. They're accomplished in what they do. Yeah. But in order to reach a greater goal, they need to work together. They need to collaborate. They can't be going at cross purposes. And to me, yeah. that's what a lot of the world is like, right? We're all, we're all to some degree, at least in our head, the superhero of our life right uh, we, we, I, we know I love our that. skills we know what's going on i love but that. we can't be the best superhero we can be or the best leader we can be in that isolation we need to be interacting we need to think about it we need to develop or we can all get better and that's part of how i see it at least oh it's it's, it's right on because if we look at those characters as the 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 rare exception otherwise we're all quite normal and ordinary and they're they're um, the superior that that would probably be a, a cliche look at and would allow us to rule our rule out the possibility yeah. that we have our own powers. And, you yeah. know, I, I mentioned my son, Dave, but when he was little, he was really picking up three older than Dimitri, your six month old son. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. I know from watching <laughs> this little guy develop on Facebook, he's going <laughs> to be picking out not only you and your mom, his mom is superheroes, but, I think Dimitri's <laughs> developing some sense of his own power. And oh, I yeah, think absolutely. that's what we really want, isn't it? All yeah. the way through their life, we want them to believe uh, that they that there's um, some unique aspects of, of who they are and what they can do that in given moments yeah. will win the day. <laughs> well, and I think to me, that's part of what the superhero narrative is often about. You know, if yeah. we talk about wish fulfillment, it's the idea I can have an impact. Yeah. I can save the world. And I think we can. And that's something we can see sometimes with business education as we talk about CEOs, these people that are perfect and far away from us, when in fact we ourselves can have that impact. And so, yeah, I want people to think of themselves as the superhero, not as, you know, just the helpless bystander watching them save the day. We, we can all save the day in our own ways, even if it's making sure less people trip on the floor. That's still crucial. It can have a huge impact on somebody's life that they didn't fall and get injured. Yeah, uh, and yeah. so that perspective, and we do that in the book, have people reflect on the lessons of the chapter. How does this apply to your own life? Because um, I know a lot of students will feel like, well, you know, I'm working at a sandwich shop. My, my work doesn't matter or it's not real work or there's not leaders there. You, you can influence people where you are. You can learn very relevant skills. And so I focus a, a lot on that in my own classes. And I think the book certainly builds that in as well. We all can have impact. We all can be leaders. Um, yeah, I, I uh, when um, when we were working on uh, the 
the subtitle of our book called Managing, I'm not managing, my goodness, uh, <laughs> Practice as a Way yeah. of Being. The subtitle was Peter Vale's Conjectures on Why pra Your Practice Matters. So we yeah. put the stress on your. Now, so does that mean only management educators practice matters uh, when we wrote it? Peter had them, us in mind, for sure, and he was clear about that. But then he had came up with something called the big P. Practice with the underline, the big P. And I remember saying yeah. in our one of our earliest podcasts, well, let's explain that, Peter, the big P. And he said, well, at some point in most people's lives, they will have developed a practice. Uh, they mm -hmm. will have something that now we're talking about that inner power that matters a lot to them. So they'll continually pursue results even in the face of difficulties, certainly in uh, the, the context of change, but it's so important to them that they'll keep pursuing it. And, and as they pursue, guess what? They get stronger. Now we're talking yeah. about <laughs> why someone has superpowers. And uh, so it's very nicely dovetailed our book on practice, yeah, your yeah. book, and say that it title again. Uh, so it's Leaders Assemble Leadership in the MCU. Okay. Leaders in the M MCU stands for Marvel Cinematic Universe. <laughs> oh, so people are going to have to figure out what that stands for. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, but not cool people. I, I'm not cool, but <laughs> cool people will know exactly what MCU means. And <laughs> so they're, they're the ones who are following that. But yeah, it won't yeah. take, you see, but you and I had, a, I think, in some of our conversations about engaging uh, learners, we, we were, we were uh, very bold in our comments that we really <laughs> want to hook people. I mean, in the, in oh, the yeah. best sense of it, we really want to draw them in. We, and you just made a, a statement a moment ago, which is, how do I find myself here? And I, now I'm back to why I mentioned the big P. The yeah. person in the sandwich shop, watch the um, Hulu, new Hulu series called The Bear. Oh, yeah, I've heard of it. I haven't seen it yet, though. Watch it. For good things. Have your students watch it. Mm -hmm. it, it, it they, these people who you don't see usually because they're behind and in the kitchen while you're out there ordering your sandwich, which is a sandwich shop in Chicago. It's, mm -hmm. It is called the beef. They're back there trying to recover a business that this guy's brother had let kind of go into the uh, going to receivership and this new, his brother comes back. He's an excellent chef and he's trying to turn it around. And each of the persons in that kitchen has these moments where they went from being, Oh God, another day. I can barely want to wipe down the stove to, I'm not uh, doing a spoiler here, but by the end of this first season, I think we're getting close to the end of it. At least the kitchen is really looking good. Now it's not Disney, Yay, everyone's happy now. <laughs> yeah, Let's all yeah. sing with the little bluebirds flying over their heads. Yeah, There's yeah, a yeah. lot of attention. A lot of stuff happens. Uh, some people get pissed and quit. And you know, maybe, you know, come back. So the dynamics of that are amazing. So you say, uh, where's business's relevant, the business school's relevance to a, a kid who's working in a sandwich shop? It's enormous. <laughs> Watch oh, yeah. the bear come back to the shop. Now watch one of them. Watch one of the Marvel movies, or or uh, read a Marvel comic. Now yep. look at the shop again. Look around you. 
do you see some uh, analogs, if you will, to, yeah. the, to the characters, to the images, to the to the dynamics? You know, who is that uh, that customer who, uh, yeah. you know, basically uh, you really want to keep and yeah. doing everything possible so that well, they won't go down the street to the next place? You know, yeah. It's and to me, to me, it's the practice is about the work. Yes. Right? It's not always about the outcome, <laughs> as often is the case, as we, we laud people for a positive outcome. But to get to a positive outcome, the work, <laughs> the practice is what can get us there. It and is. That's, that's what's important. It's not just we made the money. It's It happened. It's more reproducible because of our practice, because of the work that's put in. And the people that do that work often are not recognized enough. Oh uh, no! In, in the stuff that we have, unfortunately, so. and you know, not only that, but you know, when you are pursuing ever uh, increasingly challenging results, what you're really mm -hmm. saying to yourself is, "I'm going to do the work to achieve those results because I've already gotten myself at this level, and I'm and it's routine now. I'm, it's yes. locked in. I don't feel the same excitement. So the work itself." is the workout, if you will. And outcome, yes, for sure. But the workout to get that outcome is uh, so beneficial. And my hunch now going back as we're rounding around on the clock here to your, your new leadership position in your school, the, the students will return and they'll start the work. They'll have their syllabi. They'll, they know what they have to do. Now, most of them will also have jobs uh, to, to try to help out with yeah. the economics of school. So they're working all over the place. And so in a way, what we're trying to show them, I think, in, in your kind of business school is the work that we ask you to do in class and the work you're doing for a, a little bit of pay, it's all work, but let's really get a feel for how significant work is to you that yeah. the, the you know the whole click in your head okay now i've got to get this done the do list all of that if you can get a healthy attitude toward the work i think uh, uh gordon we could yeah. be sending some people out into the employing community who uh saying bring it on give me some work give me some interesting work give me some challenging work i, I may struggle i may yeah, fail yeah. but i want to i i'm, I'm going to succeed cuz i am the best kind of workaholic <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah it's meaningful it's it's important so, what yeah. uh let's see we we've, we've plugged your book good it's <laughs> good and i'm going to i'm going to get it and uh but we also in your research and you know you're in a new direct position uh, are you going to teach th this year or hold off on that for a year? Yeah, I am. I am teaching. Um, so I'll be teaching a course on human resource development and a course on leadership uh, this fall as well, which which should be fun. They're both areas I certainly have knowledge and experience in. And um, it'll be interesting kind of thinking about thinking of those differently, because that's one nice thing about changing jobs is you've got kind of the same old, same old to some degree that you're improving. Here, I was like, I could do something very similar or I could, you know, try something new a little bit more and see no how question. it goes. And so no that's, question. Yeah. yeah, for the leadership course, there's, you know, the stuff I did a lot before, but I'm doing it a little bit different here um, and seeing how that is, if that's helping. Uh, and some of the, just from writing the book, the lessons of that book, 
and thinking about leadership more is going to affect the course significantly as, as you would expect and as it should. <laughs> but do you know what you're doing? You're making, you're, you're creating more work for yourself in quotes, in quotes. <laughs> yeah. my fingers are going to quote, you're creating yeah. more work for yourself. And I'll, <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you how many times I used to hear that when I would grab a hold of the first platform, the learning management platform that we could get our mm-hmm. hands on. And I'd start filling it with stuff, you know, and linkages and everything. Oh, you're creating a lot more work for yourself. You could just lecture. You could just, you have oh, yeah. a new job. You're the director. Maybe you could just like, you can to teach those two courses, bring out the old yellowed notes next year after you settled in. <laughs> yeah. I don't sense that you're going to buy that argument. I, I think <laughs> you want to yeah. make more work for yourself. That's at least interesting, not busy work, but interesting yes, work. Absolutely. Yeah. What would be an example you might try out in the, uh, in the HRD course? Well, you know, one thing that, uh, you know, thinking about how can we connect you know, with local organizations more, have these local examples, uh, really connecting it to people's life. Um, that's something that I'm thinking about doing more within this course. Uh, because again, human resource development in part is, can be developing yourself, right? These tools, yes. you're learning how to develop others that can also help you yourself on it. Yeah. Um, and so that's something I'm thinking about in that degree and been talking to people a little bit about, um, oh, like we've got our, Society of Human Resource Management Club here. I was talking about we could do some training for officers. <laughs> the, the class could help with that, right? You know, I, those type of things where we could be doing something very, uh, very potentially very, very meaningful, very local. Of the, Here's training for something you might already be a member of. Here's us thinking about it. What does it mean to be a, a leader of this, of the club here? Um, oh, and I, so I, I love when we can do that type of stuff, make it local and make it real connected. To you. I, I love it. And, you know, everything is local for, for everyone. I mean, <laughs> yeah. even with virtuality, we're still local. But his, the thought yeah. of, right away, I, I see, I have the fun of having had so many of these uh, conversations now that I can quickly recall a connection to what you just said for, you, mm-hmm. for the potential of those students. And this, folks, is how we collaborate in the society for yeah. organization, you know, teachers. We, 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 we riff off each other. But here's the riff. Uh, Linda Ferraro and Vanessa Phipps uh, were on a couple of episodes back. Mm-hmm. Their expertise is everywhere in leadership, but they're focusing yeah. on mentoring. And they have mm-hmm. a concept called reverse mentoring that they were working on in one of the oh, major, yeah. Yeah. major yeah, companies. Well, here we have even freshmen or sophomores in your human resource class. Here we have members of the HR society of the, of the local area. Uh, you could create a sort of a reverse mentoring situation where the, the experienced uh, so-called expert is having conversations with the intention that the neophytes would be able to give candid, open. Uh, yeah. I don't know why you're thinking that because I know I, I, you know, I'm 21 and we don't think that way uh, at all. <laughs> You know, and it's like, yeah. whoa, uh, you know, we have a whole policy that doesn't let anyone do anything until the 25. So there's all <laughs> kinds of revelations that could come. And of course, the academic aspect indeed is to have them you know, write, journal down those lessons. But you know, so the, the, once you say, I, I don't, I, I could easily, without much work, lay out and repeat yeah. a course that I've done before in a new setting, you're 
you're saying with energy and with delightful uh, optimism, and I really appreciate that, that I, yeah, I can do some things with that course differently now because I want to find out if it works. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, what? How, what do we used to say in all these OB sessions where they, we develop, we show an exercise? Almost every time we'd say, now this may not work for you. And believe <laughs> me, it failed about three or four times before it succeeded. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. the fun of it, isn't it? Yeah, that's enjoyable. <laughs> well, any last thoughts you may have of, of, of me, because I've been doing a lot more yakking than I probably should. But uh, what what would what any curiosity you'd like to solve before we we sign off on this one? No, I think I think we had a good chat on it. You know, to me, practice is such an important thing, ultimately. of What do we do? What are the processes we have? Because, yeah, we're very outcome focused when the outcome comes out of the process. Again, we can put in a lot of work sometimes and it doesn't work, but we can learn from it. Other times we can put in less work and the outcome comes out positive. But in the long term, good process, thought through practice leads us to be on average better and lets us develop the skills. And that's what's crucial for our, our long-term well-being. It might not have worked this time, but it made us learn in a way that will make it more likely next time we get there. So. So you do know, you think we're on the right? They're on the right track then to to put as much energy. Uh, Peter put his literally his yeah. last last years of his life into what you just said, and you said it wonderfully. And I put the last three of mine into it. Are we on the right path? Should we continue to put practice out there and get people to think about it? Yeah, I think I think it's crucial to think about that and really make it. To me, it's making stuff visible as well. Is it so much stuff happens? behind the scenes or we don't think about it, we don't reflect and it goes away and it doesn't get appreciated. Yeah. Um, and to me, that's why thinking about it and making it conscious to me is, is, is crucial. It's important to my mind. Give it a name, call it practice. Yeah. I'll give you folks a name, Gordon Schmidt, who is a really going to be uh, in five or 10 years. Uh, the one that uh, we in a society of, of management and organization for teachers talk about in a very good way. OB1, Gordon, maybe. <laughs> the, maybe, next, maybe. the next Michael Stratton, you know, the next <laughs> Kevin Lowe. Uh, that would be a great honor. <laughs> we'll, we'll hook you. That you're getting hooked in, but uh, yeah, it's yeah. extremely satisfying yeah, uh, to be able to now help people all the way over to the Pacific because of the virtual aspect of our society Yeah, uh, to, uh, you know, to really believe in themselves as teachers. Yeah, absolutely. So thank you for that example. I'm happy to talk. Always fun. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the practice podcast where we discuss practice with a capital P. If you'd like to hear more, listen in on Spotify, Automatic, and Apple Podcasts or go to inactionresearch.com slash podcast dash page. And if you'd like to learn more about social inaction in the nature of practice, head over to inactionresearch.com for more information. Thank you for supporting this show. We look forward to hearing from you soon. Oh, and, and one more thing. How could I forget? The book on practice as a way of being is available now in digital form, something that would be new 
like podcasting to many of us, and it's a, a great way of learning more and more about what this podcast presented when Peter Vale and I originated it several years ago. So please come to www.mylibrary, one word, dot world slash practice, and you'll see what I mean. Thank you.